There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today I am joined by Mark, aka the FPL General, for another episode of General Orders. And uh, that expression means has double meaning today because we are actually recording for the second time. This is take two of this week's episode because quite unfortunately we recorded a fantastic hour-long episode yesterday, didn't we Mark? And then the recording corrupted and it was completely gone. So here we are. I mean, we, this should be an even better episode today because we've already rehearsed it. How are you feeling after yesterday's setback? <laughs> yeah, the, re- the rehearsal was good. It's always do a, good to do a run through before you do the actual recording. So, uh, I mean, I've been I've been creating FPL content for a long time now. And there's at least once or twice a season where you get corrupted files or dodgy videos or something. Computers die. So it's it's kind of part of the industry we're in and there's honestly nothing worse than when you've recorded something already to have to repeat it again but uh hopefully for the listeners and the viewers it'll come out come out even better we've we can you know any mistakes we made yesterday will will not be made today (laughs) yeah yesterday was the table read today is the first day on set that's what we're gonna tell ourselves and it's quite funny because we some of the stuff we talked about yesterday was sort of dealing with setbacks in FPL because of course you know um, we both had some some down game weeks this season and uh, we sit here actually really quite happy with how we're getting on at the moment and how we were able to achieve um, getting back on track with sort of calm patient approach and then immediately from talking about that the file gets corrupted and I was so annoyed <laughs> and then I told myself like an hour later it's like we've just recorded a podcast about staying calm when things are uh, you know backs against the wall you come up against adversity and here I am not following through on that uh, so hopefully as we talk about it again today it will just continue to remind me and yesterday is just a good opportunity for some lessons learned uh, really um, just like FBL's been this season yeah exactly um, yeah it was uh, certainly I know, I know, it doesn't mean anything to the viewers or the listeners, but it was a really good, really good. Th- what we recorded yesterday was really good, and it was certainly the world or the universe was testing us straight away on on staying calm after that. Uh, it was it was frustrating, but uh, like I said, it's let's recreate it and and make it even better. Yeah, fingers crossed, we can make it just as good as yesterday. Now, before we get back to uh, trying to make a good episode for you guys, uh, we of course have some housekeeping. Uh, I have it on good authority that the thirty percent discount at the preseason prices that is on the Fantasy Football Scout membership uh, is soon to expire. Uh, and so, uh, if you want to make sure you get that all sorted, ready for game week ten, then now is the time because of course game week. 
10 uh, is actually a Friday night deadline. So you've got even less time than usual to prepare. And so you need to uh, definitely have all the right tools at your disposal. So make sure you sign up just in time for that. Now, before we get on to uh, um, our orders for today, we're obviously going to have a look at how we got on in game week nine. And it was, of course, a very good game week uh, for both of us, actually. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Mark, up to 220k, uh, 88 points. Uh, I'll just read through your team for the benefit of the podcast listeners. So we got Turner in goal, Trippier uh, got 10 points, Gabriel, Cash, Son 14, Madison 9, Bruno 7, Bowen 8, Alvarez 9, Haaland 16, because of course he was the captain, and I think it's 11 points for Watkins. The bench isn't looking quite as pretty. We've got Johnston, Bayer, Gusto and Nakamba, but to be honest, when you, it doesn't matter that your bench looks like that, right? No benching headaches. You're not frustrated about anyone's returns on the bench. I'm very, very happy, I'm going to imagine, with 88 points from the troops from game week 9. So yeah, talk us through um, sort of decisions that went into it, how it went, and uh, yeah, how much you enjoyed or didn't enjoy various parts of the game week. Yeah, it was another very enjoyable game week. Uh, I say enjoyable. It wasn't enjoyable on Saturday because Mohamed Salah did the business for those who captained him. As a non-owner, it's it's never fun watching a Liverpool game, especially when it's the first game of the game week. You have to sit through the pain. I usually sit with a pen and paper and make some notes for, for content. And uh, you're kind of watching it through your fingers as a non-Salah owner. But it was a funny one because a lot of my players, I think I had three players in the Sunday game. And then I had two Spurs players on Monday night. So five players didn't play until Sunday and Monday, even though there was only two games uh, over those over those days. So it was a it was a kind of a long game week for me. But thankfully it worked out in the end. It was a, a bank the transfer going into it. So plenty of options to go for this week, which we'll talk about later. Players like Saka and Salah right at the top of the wanted list. Trippier has been sensational, brought him in maybe four weeks, four game weeks ago. And you know he's he's been absolutely incredible. And hopefully that continues because I've got no plans to sell him. I am tempted to get Mohamed Salah this week, but it won't be at the expense of the likes of Trippier and Watkins, who've been very good servants. And I feel like they could be season keepers, so I don't really want to compromise on those two positions. Blanks in defence for Turner, Gabriel and Matty Cash. Not too worried about Gabriel and Cash. They've got good fixtures now coming up. Turner will never play for me again. (laughs) Uh, If you can't keep a clean sheet against Luton Town, you will not be in my team ever again. (laughs) So I'll be going set and forget Johnston for the for the time being. He's got Tottenham next, which is not great. But then Crystal Palace, I think, are top of the fixture ticker for the next five or six game weeks. And then it was all about the attackers. When you don't have Salah, you need your other players to deliver. Monday night was pretty sweet. Youngman's son and James Madison did the business. Part of me earlier in the week is thinking, do I sell Son for Salah? Um, I don't know, the, the audio listeners won't get this, but those who are watching on YouTube, you might have noticed a couple of minutes ago, I had to close the blinds. I don't usually have the issue of uh, the sun giving me issue in this country but it was shining through the window it was it was uh, hurt my eyes maybe that's just a little sign that that sun needs to stay you know doing this video <laughs> talking about sun that's a little the world's telling me do not sell this guy um so big decision to be made there bruno got seven but he will probably be sold uh the the plan was bruno to saka and maybe roll the transfer this week but obviously there's a big solid decision to be made now as well Bowen delivered, screwed fixtures ahead also, and I'm very happy with the front three of Captain Haaland, Watkins and Alvarez. I'm seeing a lot of people this week, um, maybe in 3-5-2 formations, they maybe got Alvarez and they're thinking then, do I sell Alvarez to get a Watkins? And I just feel you know quite comfortable hearing people trying to decide between the two because I think they're two really good assets and I feel like I'm in a good position having both players and I can focus my transfers elsewhere. So yeah, overall the team's good. I say the team's good. The the team's good. The squad maybe is not fantastic. The bench is very, very weak, but this season 
And in the last couple of weeks, the bench hasn't been needed. And hopefully that continues because I don't think I'm going to focus on improving it until probably around Christmas time and, and maybe on the wild card whenever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, st- we'll start with the bench and then we'll come back to um, the Son, Salah, Saka situation in a second. Um, because, yeah, I think it's worth talking about um, our benches a little bit because I've been in a similar position where my bench has been a bit rotten for a while. And uh, I think it was like double game week seven or maybe game week eight or something when I had five flags and, and I could have wildcarded because some people did to get around that. Uh, in the end, I just tried to um, prioritize some of those sales, knowing that I was happy to carry a couple of flag players in the corner of my bench, Spotman and Estupinan, and then just having a look at your team. You know, you've got Gusto, who's under threat um, for minutes with Reese James back. You've got Bayer, red flag. Nakamba's never going to get it very much because he's just a, an all-out number six for a team that, let's face it, is is a little bit out of its depth in the Premier League. Um and Turner, who, as you've said, is never going to actually start for you ever again. Um, and what it shows is that even though we're sort of neglecting our benches, I think it's good that we're spending our transfers rather than fixing that bench and using it to kind of leverage the best opportunities in the starting eleven. Um, because even though we've got these quite bad-looking benches, we're both really happy with where we are. 102k for me, 220k for you. So... Things are going well on the pitch. It doesn't really matter what's going on on your bench, um, really. And and for me personally, I've learned that we don't necessarily like have to deal with our bench, even if it looks awful. The purist might say you must fix it. You must save all these um, your team from you know red flag fever. Um, that's probably going to be more important in Chris uh, in the Christmas period. Um, but it makes me think that that kind of ideology is 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 best deployed at certain times rather than just rigidly always sticking fast to you must make sure you have a good bench, right? Yeah, I think the the key to it is if you look at my starting eleven, you know the the eleven players you listed out there, there is zero rotation risks in there. Um, you know, I go into every game week extremely confident that all eleven are going to start. Um, you know, players like Alvarez are much more secure these days. You know, Gabriel was an issue at the start of the season, but he's very much back in there now. Uh, and again, as a Gabriel owner, I was quite happy to see that Partey wasn't in the in the Champions League squad midweek. He's got a muscle issue. So that was, you know, Partey was causing Gabriel issues at the start of the season because Arteta was, you know, experimenting. So that's, again, hopefully good news for Gabriel's minutes long term. And that's that's why I'm not too worried about the bench because at this time of the season when, you know, it's, it's game weeks every weekend rather than midweeks and stuff like that, that, yeah, if you've got, if you've got very secure players in terms of expected minutes, then the bench is not is not as important. I think in this day and age as well, when we've got five, when managers have five substitutions available, worst case scenario, if someone like an Alvarez doesn't start, he's probably going to come on anyway. So you don't really need your your bench that much. But again, you know, I'm 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 very aware that 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 will change as we get into November and December and you know winter and 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 players picking up illnesses and and weather could play a part and stuff like that. So uh, I'm not going to neglect it forever. But I feel like for the time being, I want to make more high impactful transfers in the starting eleven. Speaking of um, you know decisions that you can make elsewhere in the team, in the midfield and high impact transfers there, one of them, of course, is whether or not you do Son to Salah uh, or perhaps you know Fernandez to Saka uh, or you know Son to Saka, Fernandez to Salah. You know, there's all sorts of opportunities you can do with that midfield to make it look you know much much different very impactful we're looking into some other fixtures as well um the handy advantage of course of recording yesterday uh which i will admit that we found an advantage uh, of having to record this twice is that yesterday you were talking about how there's this kind of emotional journey you'd been on for the week at the start of the week and especially when salah gets the big haul you're thinking oh i must get him 
and you sort of anticipated possibly the emotions dissipating and the sort of objectivity sort of like becoming clearer again as you get closer to that deadline and perhaps maybe make you think, hmm, maybe I can continue to go without Salah provided the rest of the team looks good. I wondered where you were on that sliding scale of, you know, emotional kind of reaction to cold objectivity because I suppose you might find that the cold objectivity still leads you to Salah so I wondered where your head was at with that particular decision this week and it sort of incorporates the first order as well so nice little segue there yeah so like I said big decisions to be made this week for my team and for many others as well uh, and I think even wildcarders this week have some really tricky calls to make in terms of, of routes they go so order number one first of all this week is be don't be afraid to sell a performing asset so We've said it quite a bit this season. We've got to get comfortable making uncomfortable decisions. And if you look at my midfielders this week, 14 points, 9 points, 7 points and 8 points. But I'm looking at selling at least one of them, if not two of them. And in previous seasons, I would have always been a manager who's very loyal to players that are getting points for me. And that's maybe not not maybe not the most sensible way to play because you could have a player who gets you, you know, 10 points four weeks in a row. But if then, then they play Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Newcastle, then there's obviously a big argument to be made for, for letting them go. But I would always have been in the camp of just keeping them. They've done well. I don't care too much about the fixtures. But I think I'm much more of a fixtures manager now than I was, was a couple of years ago. And there's uncomfortable decisions to be made this week. So there's there's a couple of options. Um, and and what, what we talked about yesterday was basically the Salah. I feel like I'm on a journey with Salah this week. Um, I should say I'm on a journey without Salah for, for nine <laughs> weeks. But, at, you know, going through kind of the journey, the first game on Saturday, Salah scores a brace. And right after the game, I'm thinking, buy Salah at all costs this week. Number one priority, whatever happens, just get him. It's too painful. Good fixtures, good form. Just do it. Don't overthink it. But I, I, I knew at the time that that was kind of the peak of the curve. And throughout the week, I would kind of start traveling to, down again on that curve. My feelings towards Salah would calm down. I would come back to you know really liking my team at the moment and what I can do with it without Salah. So I'm recording on Wednesday. I'm probably halfway down the curve, and I still don't know if I'm going to reach the bottom and go without Salah again because there is some tempting options. For example, Son to Salah to fund that it would be Bruno Fernandez to Anthony Gordon at Newcastle, who I think has been really impressive this season, playing for the best attack in the league in terms of underlying numbers. So Sonda Salah, Bruno to Gordon sounds really good, but I think the move that is much more kind of suited to the way I play the game would be the initial plan, Bruno to Saka and roll the second transfer. And that gives me flexibility, but it also obviously gives me no Salah. Um, And it's a tricky one because game week nine has again reminded me that you can get green arrows without the Liverpool man. Um, but, you know, can I do that every week? Probably not. There's probably other game weeks where, yeah, I think the previous game week, game week eight, I didn't get a, a green arrow because Salah did the business then as well. And my, my guys didn't do as well. So big conundrum. It's it's do I stick to the plan, Bruno to Saka and roll the transfer with no Salah or Son to Salah and Bruno to Gordon. And the, the issue as well is you watch the Monday night game, the Tottenham game, and Son delivers 14 points. And you think, why on earth would I sell this guy when he's just got 14 points? The fixtures are fine, top of the league, fantastic finisher, playing out of position. So it's it's going to take an awful lot for me to sell him and Son. And I think the Son factor might be what 
you know, might might result in me going without Salah again for at least another game week. So um, there is a there is a crazy option here as well, which which I don't think I'm going to do. There's a minus four option. It's ripping out my midfield, Bruno Madison and Son for Saka, Salah, and Cole Palmer. But to me, selling three assets who just scored me, what's that? The guts of thirty points, maybe more. It it doesn't really sit right with me. Um, so yeah, I'm torn on on basically torn on Salah versus Saka. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, and uh, the the minus four there, um, it definitely feels off brand for you, <laughs> uh, because it's just not patient. It's it's too much like a roller coaster, and and famously, as you've you've told me before, you're not a big fan of the roller coasters, and that one sounds a little bit like one you might spot at Thorpe Park and think could be fun. I might also throw up everywhere <laughs> if I try yeah, that. Exactly. Um, you know, on that minus yeah. four as well. It's the the, the reasons I don't like it. There's a couple of reasons. I really like Madison as a long-term pick. When I when I when I purchased him, I don't know, game week three, game week four, in my eyes, he was very likely to be a season keeper, um, and I'm very reluctant to sell him. I'm I'm open to selling Son if if it gets me to Salah, but I'm can, Madison's kind of a non-negotiable for me, regardless of fixtures at the moment. And then the other part of it is Cole Palmer would be coming in, and he would be in the starting eleven every week. I'm not sure if I'm ready to rely on Cole Palmer just yet as a regular starter in my team. And and coupled with that, Palmer's fixtures, Chelsea's fixtures are are pretty rough in the short term as well. So that's why I probably won't be doing the, the minus four. Hmm. Yeah, Cole Palmer is um, someone who I've got my eye on. I think there will come a time when he is actually fairly template. And I think that's probably going to be around game week 16 because Chelsea's fixtures get really nice then. But until that point, yeah, it's really nasty looking for them. Uh, they've got uh, Brentford, Spurs, Man City, Newcastle, Brighton, Man United as their next six. That's the bottom of the season ticker. Now, Palmer himself is doing very well. He's got some good numbers. He's, of course, on penalties. And it looks like he's kind of locked in the team for now. But, of course, there's injured players perhaps come back in and might change that. Um, Chelsea fans I speak to say he's their best attacker every game. So I'm I'm still relatively confident he holds that place. And his per 90 figures are very good. Um, he's definitely just their best attacker, eye test-wise, statistics and I think it's good, actually, the fixtures are bad because it gives us an opportunity to look at him in those harder fixtures. And if he can come out of those games with some good points, I do think it's going to be around game week 16 when Chelsea come back into the conversation because it's Everton away, Sheffield United at home, Wolves away, Palace at home, Luton away, Fulham at home. Incredible run. Um, and I don't think Palmer's necessarily going to balloon in price by then because I think people will just be put off enough by the fixtures. I really like it when an exciting asset has bad fixtures because it's the perfect opportunity not to worry about not going with them and you can just watch them and wait for the right time. So I think he, he's probably going to be coming into our thoughts a, a bit later. And yeah, now is probably too soon to bring him in, especially if you're getting rid of a season keeper like Madison. Um, as I said, it's it's just, it might work for some people. There's managers out there who like that, but it's off off brand for you. And, you know, you find pretty much always that your brand is, is, is working for you. You could have panicked earlier on in the season when you were sort of in the millions, but here you are at 220K after um, nine game weeks and you would have taken that if someone offered it to you uh, ahead of game week one. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm very happy to be 220K at this point. Um, I always have that kind of, loose target of top 100k by christmas i think I've, I've been playing like that for years and if you can be somewhere around top 100k you know you're, you're setting yourself up for it for a really good season so well on course for that um and i suppose it all depends a lot of it depends on on mohammed salah's performances if i end up going without him so uh 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where I fall on 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 Friday in terms of that. People can tune into the 59th minute podcast on Friday. Hopefully, by then I will know what I'm doing with, with <laughs> Salah versus Saka. Yeah, and and to be honest, I mean, one thing that I think is 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 really good uh, about your approach here is that you know you sort of like you're a bit worried that maybe you were sitting on the fence with this decision. But actually, I think the issue uh, here really for people is not necessarily to tune into content and be told this is what I'm doing this week, so therefore you should do the same thing. I think you know you can look at it from a perspective of you know, if you catch a fish for someone, then obviously you feed them for a day. But if you teach them how to fish, then then they can feed for themselves for a lifetime. What you're kind of talking through here is helping other people understand the decision making process so that they can make the decision about what works for their team best. Because you don't know yet whether or not you're going to do this move. But you are very, very self-aware of the sort of like the emotional and kind of intellectual processes going on in your mind that take you from the end of one game week to the start of the next one. Um, and, and kind of extrapolating what things you're seeing that are making you feel irrational about one of these decisions what things you're seeing that can help make you feel a little bit more informed and a bit more intellectual about these decisions and helping kind of decipher the differences between those two kind of like warring ideologies in your head like that's what helps people make good transfer decisions rather than necessarily you sitting here right now and simply because of the the peer pressure of being on a video and being on youtube and everybody's watching you making a decision for decision's sake rather than necessarily making the right or wrong one. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like almost, I don't know, a bit countercultural sometimes because in, in content we're sort of almost encouraged to be definitive. But I think that we should be free to kind of like be as, you know, indecisive as we like and, and just appreciate that these decisions are a process that takes several days to kind of mull over and stew over, for example. So yeah, um, yeah, I think, uh, what, yeah, what I think, I think sometimes, you know, this episode is brought to you by J. Crew. This spring, J. Crew is telling a linen love story. From perfectly rumpled beach cover-ups and effortlessly sexy suiting to button-up shirts from the world-famous Baird McNutt Mill in Ireland, the new J. Crew collection is made to be shared, lived in, and loved for decades and generations to come. Shop linen like you've never seen it. And more new arrivals for spring 2024 at jcrew.com. Introducing Batiste sweat-activated and touch-activated dry shampoo. With breakthrough technology that absorbs oil and releases bursts of fragrance whenever you sweat or touch your hair for up to 24 hours, it's the ultimate hair care for girls on the go. Try the newest dry shampoo that's activated by you. Batiste, the future of hair care is here. Buy Batiste dry shampoo online or in store at your nearest retailer. Hey, Sam, it's been a while. Hey, it has been. How's business? I don't know about you, but finding the perfect place to expand has been a real struggle for us. Try Ohio. The Jobs Ohio team helped us isolate the right incentives and opportunities by understanding us and our goals. Wow, maybe we should move to Ohio. The business climate, quality of life, and help from Jobs Ohio made Ohio our best decision yet. Hey, where are you going? (laughs) I gotta call my boss, then Jobs Ohio. Visit successinohio.com to learn more podcast listeners and youtube viewers forget that we're we're just the same as you we're fpl managers <laughs> as well we might be content creators but we still struggle with the same issues every week do i buy x player do i buy y player captaincy is is wide open again this week is there ever a definitive definitive answer can't even say that word it's too early in the morning yeah <laughs> uh, that just that's how tricky it is to pick a captaincy this week is it's as difficult to say that word but i've seen it in my time as a content creator some of the 
you know, a trap I see other content creators falling into sometime. And it, maybe it's more so if you're a new content creator, uh, and I maybe I did it at the start as well, is you kind of put out an opinion on a Monday or a Tuesday, uh, maybe on a podcast or a video, or even just a tweet, and you're very kind of definitive or clear on an opinion of a player or a captain or whatever it might be. And then when that content creator gets to the end of the week, they feel under pressure to stick with the initial tweet or comment or, or whatever they said on a video because I don't know, you might get some backlash or something if you change your mind or whatever it is. But I think I've learned over time that, you know, if you don't, if you quite simply don't know what you're going to do, don't pretend that you, you do know what you're going to do because, <laughs> you know, I think viewers and listeners appreciate as well. They just like to understand the thought process. And I think the Salah one's a good example. I'm kind of on a journey with Salah this week. To start of the week, I really wanted him. By the time I get to the end of the week, I might be content again to go out go without him and just trust what I have. So uh yeah, I you'll never hear me saying, you know, Monday, Tuesday, this is definitely what I'm gonna do because I always need I always need four or five days to actually come to a decision. And very often if I if I tracked what I would have done in terms of early transfers on a Sunday night versus what I actually do transfers on a Friday night, very often they would be different moves. Uh, and that's why that's why I'm always quite content to wait. You know, I've I've missed price rises again this week. Uh, Bruno Fernandez dropped, who I'm almost definitely going to sell. I think Salah went up to twelve point eight. So if I buy him, it's it's getting pricey now. Um, I think I'm keeping a close. I, I I say a close eye. I don't very often track price change websites, but when I know there's a couple of moves I'm going to make, and if it's if there's not much cash in the bank, I keep an eye on it. So the moves I mentioned, um, I think Bruno Tosak is fine for cash because I've got zero point eight. But the other moves. The crazy minus four or the Salah Gordon move, I think both of them have 0.1 wiggle room. So I'm keeping an eye on that Wednesday and Thursday just in case I, I need to go early. But um, yeah, hopefully I can wait until Friday. And important to remember, it is a Friday deadline this week. So so don't get caught out by that, people. Mm. Now, um, if you thought that one big decision was, was enough, we've actually got a second one for you, which arguably is easier, but certainly uh, headline making, as those of you who've seen the thumbnail and the title of this video will already know. There is one thing we haven't talked about yet which is sticking out uh like a steeple in the horizon uh it is the captain's armband on ollie watkins uh for game week 10 um we're going to talk about him a little bit later in one of the orders to do with sort of transfers for people but he's in your team and you've captained him how sure are you on on this one um a couple of other uh, you know captaincy candidates out there you know saka is one of them you don't have uh, but yeah, you seem actually fa- fairly happy with this one, but it's certainly worth talking about because not necessarily everybody's going to go for it based purely on the fact that he's an Aston Villa player and it's very unfashionable to captain them. So yeah, what's, what's gone on, what's gone on here? <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, I will say it's easy to give him the armband when Saka or Salah are not in the team yet. You know, that might, that might change things if, if one or both of those players come in, but to be honest, I feel I would feel very comfortable given Watkins the armband this weekend. Uh, the fixture's fantastic. The confidence in the form is as good as it's ever been. And I think what swings it for me most is the way Aston Villa have been playing at home. They've been absolutely battering teams at home, you know, scoring two or three goals quite often, you know, another four against West Ham. So it's a extremely difficult place for a team like Luton to go at the moment. It's not exactly when you want to be playing Aston Villa. Um, Again, captaincy, lots of good options. I think Salah and Saka right up there. It's probably the first first game week where I'm not going to captain Erling Haaland. I still think he's a good candidate against Manchester United, but I just don't think I'm going to go there myself this week. Um, yeah, 
the it's unfashionable to captain a player who plays for Aston Villa, first of all. Also unfashionable to captain a player that costs around eight million. Um, you know, we, we tend to go for for premium assets and also captain a player who doesn't take penalties. So there's a couple of things at play there. But if you strip all that away, uh Watkins is just you know one of the best picks in the game this season. He's arguably got the best fixture of all captaincy candidates. You might argue Saka might have a better one, but he's he's right up there. And there's every chance I do it. Even if Saka or Salah or both come in, there's every chance I do it. He's been so good to me this season. He's got a great fixture. He's got the form. Filler are fantastic. So there's not too many reasons against it, really. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at the numbers with, with Watkins and um, getting a little bit of FOMO myself because he's not in my team at the moment. But um, well, we'll come on to that in a second. His stats are really, really good last four. Um, if you strip away the sort of um, the sentimentality or even just the sort of... Um, the, the established ideas behind a captaincy, i.e. oh, he plays for Villa and his price. Ignore price, ignore team. Simply just look at his numbers. Over the last four, he's, wow, outperforming everybody for a lot of things. So 15 shots in the box for him, that's more than any other player. Um, and I think Haaland's only had like three or four or something. So he's almost like quadruple as many as Haaland. Uh, big chances, he's had four, which is the joint fourth best in the division. He's had eight shots on target, which is the joint best. So actually, when you just look at those numbers and ignore the factors that technically mean nothing for this fixture, like the fact he plays for Villa doesn't mean that like he's going to turn around and be like, oh, I play for Villa, so I'm going to underperform in this game. Um, or hmm, my FPL price is below 9 million, so therefore I have no right to get a hat-trick against a team that's you know given up chances willy-nilly. Um, they don't mean anything for this game. His current form... And the fact that Luton uh, have just been, you know, very poor defensively this season. I was just having a look at their expected goals conceded. Uh, 17.81 so far this season. That's the fifth worst in the division. Um, they're performing largely in line with that. So they've conceded 17 goals. Should have conceded 17.8 goals. So they're going to concede some goals in this game. And Watkins is the division's form goal threat player. So it's kind of like when you put it like that, it's kind of a no-brainer. Because he's outperforming Saka. Um, Sheffield United's defence is a little bit worse than Luton's but of the two I mean Saka does have the penalties but you've obviously alluded to there you know Watkins doesn't have them but actually Watkins' penalty record is kind of rubbish so actually him not having the penalties is for him specifically is like actually an advantage because if he did have the penalties then there's like a kind of if you look at last season's penalty numbers for him there's like a 50% chance you get a negative points out of it <laughs> so it's probably a good thing that Douglas Louise has taken him yeah, do you know what? I kind of I kind of like sometimes certain players in my team if they don't have penalties. You know, I think of Mitrovic. If you ever owned him, you kind of hoping <laughs> he doesn't take them. Uh, I think we said he missed four last season. Yeah. Um, Watkins. The uh, do you know a big factor for me, and, and I should say as well, we mentioned Saka there and penalties. We we don't even know if Saka will take a oh, penalty, so true, we can't yeah. even we can't even say I'm going to captain Saka over Watkins because of penalties because Bukayo Saka is the kindest person in the world, and he just. <laughs> Just says who wants to take it, you know. So uh, Watkins, the, the, a big factor for me is the most recent Luton performance was against Nottingham Forest. Chris Wood up front, um, he had he scored twice. He had a goal ruled out. Could have had a hat trick. Missed a couple of other big chances. I think his xG in the game was something like one point seven five. So that's kind of tempting me as well with Watkins, given that the. The most recent striker to play against Luton had an incredible amount of good quality chances. So put Watkins in that position, you know, I think a brace is very possible. 
So, yeah, I'm very, very tempted to do it. And I think on Saka versus Watkins, let's say I get Saka and I don't get Salah. I think I'm going to captain Watkins over Saka. Number one, we don't know if Saka will take the penalties. And the injury niggles are concerning. Um, Arteta, you know, flogged Saka way too much. They're, I think he played Champions League. And at one point, I wasn't watching the game, but I've seen people tweeting that Saka was down for a little while, getting some treatment. So there's always niggling issues there with Saka. And I don't think he's ever 100% fit these days because he never gets a chance to be 100% fit because he doesn't get rests. And I say rests, um, we haven't had any really crazy benching so far this season. And Saka does always play. But I've seen a few people suggesting, you know, if there's ever a time to give him a rest, maybe it's Sheffield United at home. But I really don't see Arteta doing that. He plays Saka regardless. And when there's a title charge on, you know, you you don't really take those risks and you don't you don't bind Saka. So I've no concerns about buying him and starting him. But everything I just mentioned there, Watkins to me almost feels a safer captain than Saka. Uh, now Saka might be the best. Sorry, Salah might be the best of all. But if I don't have him, I will be very happy going in with with Captain Watkins against Luton. Mm, yeah, certainly looks like a, a really exciting thing, and it makes me very nervous about not having him in my team, which we'll just have a quick look at now. Um, mentioned a few minutes ago that one of the things that's helped me be um, uh, to hold off my wildcard basically is learning a couple of times this season where actually um, allowing my team to just kind of like squeeze itself through the game week despite kind of leaving itself very shorthanded it's not actually damaging my team as much as I thought it would because effectively I had 10 players in this game week uh, Botman in the end didn't play thank you Eddie Howe for saying after the deadline uh, something you absolutely could have said on Friday that he wasn't going to be back for several weeks I mean, honestly um, so I started Botman because the update on Friday sounded positive enough that there was a chance um, and I wanted to roll the transfer. People know I like doing that. Um, but in the end, him not playing meant that Anderson came in because the hand still injured for me. Uh, and Anderson got zero points because he conceded so many goals against Newcastle. So effectively, 10 players there. I got the goalkeeping decision wrong. Uh, Flecken uh, got six points on my bench and Turner got me one. Um, Cash got me two. But Van der Ven got me six, so he's tickling along. Son got 14. Uh, Salah got 16. Nine for Madison. Alvarez, nine. Haaland, 16, because I captained him. But the thing I'm most happy about is Burmo because we talked about it last week about having the opportunity to kind of just hold on to him for one last time after everyone sold him. And 14 points for him was massive because um, according to LiveFPL.net, he's only in 20% of teams in my rank bracket now. And uh, he, was one, he was my biggest differential of the, of the game week. I gained 11.1 of his points on those around me because he is now officially a differential at that level. And it's another thing that just helps kind of solidify in my mind and, and and I guess it sort of you know solidifies some of the things that you've been doing with your team as well about um having a bit of patience with a player waiting until everybody has moved to somewhere else um and then capitalizing for a good fixture which is mildly controversial mildly contradictory because we are talking about selling son this week but um taking it on a case-by-case basis like he made a huge difference for me on uh, on Saturday I think it was he's probably going to sell him now but it's just another example isn't it where sometimes just waiting one more week can have all the impact. I've lost value, but I don't care because points are better than value. Yeah, perfect example. Perfect storm of, I think, was it five blanks and six for Mbumo yeah, going right, into yeah. that Burnley game? So most people most people were just like, right, they see that, they see the blanks, they get frustrated, they just sell, they don't even look at the fixtures. But, you know, more savvy FPL managers will know that Mbumo has fantastic underlying numbers, lots of routes to points, corners, set pieces, penalties. And it's all about the fixture. When you've got a home fixture against a newly promoted team this season, you 
never sell. So if you've got a home player coming up against Luton, Sheffield United or Burnley, no, no matter how much they've frustrated you in recent <laughs> weeks, they could have seven blanks in a row. Give them the promoted fixture at home. They'll probably get you something and then you can you know take the points and run. So uh, yeah, overall, yeah, and a very good game week for you as well, David. So it's good to see we're both kind of going along nicely and, and hopefully by Christmas we'll have a, have a pretty good rank. Mm. Yeah, that's certainly the hope. And uh, for game week 10, um, a couple of decisions that need to be made. I don't have Watkins, but I actually don't feel all that naked without him because I have DRB and I have cash. Um, and uh, you mentioned three five two managers. I am, of course, one of them. It would involve selling probably Archer to get Watkins, and that feels a bit too much work. Bearing in mind my defence is kind of in a bit of a state now. <laughs> At the moment, I'm starting Botman um, because I because I don't really want to start Anderson against Spurs. The issue I have is that my replacements here. If I go for a Newcastle defender, then next week I would want to bench them against Arsenal. Um, and then that would mean having to play Van de Ven against Chelsea, which I don't really like the look of. Um, if I went for an Arsenal defender, Sheffield United at home this week, great. But then next week, playing Newcastle, so I'd want to bench him and Van de Ven. So I'm kind of thinking I might have to maybe make a move for Shimikas because I would start him both of the next two because that's what my new defender needs. Um, however, the problem is I'm also looking at other things I can do. I am looking to do Son to Saka, um, Kind of not going to necessarily rehash that because we've kind of really discussed that already. But Mbermo to Matoma is also on my mind as well because the fixtures look really good for Brighton. The fixtures are now going to get really difficult for, for Brentford. Um, so it could be a minus four to do Son to Saka, Mbermo to Matoma and possibly Botman to Shimikas, which is slightly less of a Thought Park roller coaster than the minus four you were thinking of. But I don't know. What do you think of that potential idea? Um, it's a lot of work, but could come off. Yeah, I think I think the minus four would leave your squad um, looking in better shape. But what I would probably look at is I do like Sun Saka, regardless of Sun's points. That goes back to order one: be comfortable making uncomfortable decisions. I think your defense does need work, probably because Botman looks like he's going to be another couple of weeks. So Shimakus sounds good. So you could just do Shimakus and Saka and just leave him Bimo, because if you think about the minus four, when you need defensive work, the minus four really is Bimo to Matoma. And regardless of fixtures, uh, I think, you know, Mbumo's numbers are good. I still think he can tick along in these next next three or four games. And if you get through the next three or four games, Mbumo has a very nice run of three fixtures. You're going to want him back anyway. So you could kind of almost look at it as maybe saving yourself two transfers to use elsewhere. Matoma is very attractive, game week 10. Fixtures are great. He's good for minutes. But I still got slight concerns over Brighton. They're struggling a bit, a lot of injuries trying to you know work out how to balance the two competitions Europe and the league so yeah it's it's a tough one but um mm. my style of play I avoid unnecessary hits and I feel like if you made a defensive transfer and you got Saka I would probably leave Bumo you could even just do Bumo one more week and then sell him for free the week after that's probably the way I would look at it mm. yeah I certainly haven't ruled out not taking the hit um and I certainly don't want to fall into the trap of being too decisive straight away. Funnily enough, I've already recorded a sort of more in-depth look at my team for game week 10, um, where, um, yeah, <laughs> I now realise I might end up feeling like I have to defend a video I recorded on Friday when I maybe change my mind. Uh, so, yeah, I may well have fallen into that trap. But, yeah, th- there's a couple of things worth doing here. I think there's opportunities, and I think it's just weighing up the balance between do I um, kind of strive on to take some risks and try and really have some even bigger cut through or do I just kind of yeah um, try and get through the game week uh, so to speak so um, to be fair where I'm at rank wise right now I actually feel more comfortable taking risks because um, I 
was I was 19k after game week three and then I dropped all the way down to 450k for three maybe four red arrows in a row and then have bounced kind of almost all the way back up again um and so I feel like if I tried something and it didn't work and I went back down to 450k I don't really feel all that nervous about bouncing back up again so it's almost like the points are in the bag already let's kind of use them as a ballast for something a bit riskier um, whereas perhaps maybe people in different positions might not feel quite so comfortable with where they are um, and that's quite handy it's quite a handy advantage of having a good start which i appreciate is like you know um it's as a, as a might be a hard thing for people here if they're having a, a bad start but it just it, that, that's just my decision making process i just feel a little bit more comfy making the odd risk your decision based on where i am are you 100% set on Sondesaka, second th- to the plan? I think on that I am, yeah. It's what I do around that um, that I'm less sure on. Because uh, I just think Captain, objectively. Captain, Captain Saka? Yeah, I think so. That's, that's the thing. I just look at a lot of the factors here, and objectively, I just think that Son over the next two, Crystal Palace and Chelsea, I don't really want him for that because they're two really good fixtures, uh, sorry, really good defences and therefore bad fixtures for him specifically. I probably would captain Saka maybe twice over the next three because Sheffield United at home and Burnley at home are just really, really good. And so balancing it out, it's either over the next three matches, I either have Son three times or I potentially have Saka five times because I wouldn't captain him against Newcastle, but he's a very strong candidate for um, for the Sheffield United game. So effectively, I'd have him twice. Burnley game, again, might have him twice. So the upside on that, I just the maths is kind of undeniable in my head. So that one I'm fairly set on. Um, yeah, good way, good way to look at it, actually, for people who are struggling with the decision. Uh, I like that, you know, possibly five Sackers versus three Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you're not going to, if you if you know you're definitely not going to captain Youngman's son over the next two or three weeks, then argument to let him go uh, get a captaincy candidate and and then maybe go back to Sun when when Tottenham's fixtures improve again mm. yeah that's the plan I mean I look at when they get better and actually Liverpool's get a bit harder so it might even do Salah back to Son who knows who knows could be the season of swapping between these premiums if we never know um, so yeah that's very much uh, on my mind but let's uh, let's move on to um, uh, managers who sort of usually fly by the seat of their pants specifically uh, my dad um, who has actually had a fantastic game week uh, this game week uh, himself um, he did some really interesting transfers here the big headline news is shock horror Tim Ream has finally left his team which kind of feels like the passing of something because, wow, he was like the only one who owned Tim Ream outside of Tim Ream's own parents, probably. Um, and uh, he, guess who he bought in? Nathan Collins. <laughs> like, who has Nathan Collins in their team? And it still paid off. Six points for Nathan Collins. Um, Luis Diaz also left the team and he brought in Son. So whilst everyone is thinking about selling him, he's just signed him. So 83 points in the end for him. So Johnston, White, Byrne, Collins was the back four. And Burmo, Matoma, Bowen, Fernandez, and Son as a midfield five, which looks really tasty in a game week like the one we've just had. Haaland captain, Alvarez up front. So he's up to about 2.5 million and crucially uh, has shaved off the gap between him and the top spot in his local church league. So... Comebacks on the title charges is, is on the way, and yeah, very very proud of him this week. He's made some odd decisions in Ream to Collins, a more sound one in doing Diaz to Son, um, and relatively well set up for the coming weeks. What do you think? Get ready to feel the heat with Maybelline New York's Lifter Plump. It's their newest lip plumping gloss, and it packs some intense heat. And that's because it's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 
10plump to get 10% off for a limited time. This episode is brought to you by Tic Tac. Minty, refreshing, classic. And it's not just the Tic Tac mints. It's the new track by Kanis with beats that'll leave you feeling as refreshed as a Tic Tac and a vibe that'll take you on a ride through 100 layers of flavor. Does it get any fresher than this? Tic Tac, enjoy the bright side. That 100 layer joy ride. Pop one, let's paint the town. Freshman flavors all around. Take a ride on a Tic Tac. Pick up a pack of Tic Tac mints today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm all, my, my mind always goes off on random tangents. You mentioned the Church League again, and I'm just thinking there's going to be ripples going through that mini league this week because Jesus has picked up an injury in the, in the Champions League. So uh, I'd say his ownership could be about 99% in that, in that Church <laughs> mini league, along with, along with Nick Pope. So there's probably transfers to be made there. But overall, your, your dad's team's actually really good. When you read it out there, it's, it sounds, sounds really good. It's probably the first time in my FPL career that I've ever seen someone own Nathan Collins and, <laughs> If ever that's going to happen, it's always going to be your dad who kind of does that. I'm, I'm always excited to see those transfers each week. So, yeah, overall, you know, 2.5 million, but his team's pretty good. And he's still got his wild card as well, doesn't he? So um, He does. I think... I think the church, the church mini league crown could be could be coming home this year. Yeah, just just hope it's not a crown of thorns. Um, we want it to be, <laughs> we want it to be more of a more of a. Well, it's not going to be a golden crown. I'm sure. I don't know what trophy they use, but um, yeah, it probably isn't going to be real gold. You never know. You never know. Um, but yeah, no, very pleased with how he's getting on. He he always has a slot in his back four for just random obscure defender. And Nathan Collins is currently 0.6 percent of teams. So if you are looking for a Botman replacement, then there is no better place to look than my dad's random sub five million defender slot he's got one every week so do keep keep tuned for that um let's move on to our second order then um which of course involves two of the players we've kind of already discussed but they're obviously um you know big on people's transfers uh radars this week we've got Salah we've got Ollie Watkins um yeah take us away with order number two yeah order number two is probably a pretty obvious one this week um I think if you asked anyone this week to come up with an order, it would probably be right up there. And But just to drill at home, if you don't own Salah or Ollie Watkins, make them the priority. You know, get one of them if you can. And in an ideal scenario, you get both of them if you've got two free transfers and about 10 million cash in the bank, which which nobody does. But yeah, it's um, just keep FPL simple. You know, Salah and Watkins are performing extremely well. They both have excellent fixtures coming up. And obviously, ownership comes into this as well. Their ownership is just getting bigger and bigger. And if they continue to deliver, you are you're gonna you're gonna suffer rank wise and probably in many leagues as well. So it's almost like an insurance policy: buying yourself a Watkins or a Salah this week just to just to limit the damage that can happen. And sometimes you just got to do that in FPL. You know, you've got to insure yourself against these highly owned players. So um, I try not to let ownership come into my thinking, but. I'd be lying if I said it completely didn't or I completely ignored it because it's impossible because you know every week which players can can hurt you. Even if you're not looking at the ownership percentages, you know which players are highly owned by listening to podcasts and, and watching content and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, just keep it simple. If you haven't made your transfers yet, prioritize getting one of Watkins or Salah, if not both. 
Yeah, the ownership is is definitely having a big impact. Um, Sunday, especially, was quite damaging to my team initially. I was up to about 80k after Saturday, and Burma a big part of that. Uh, but then after the Sunday game, I went all the way down to 200k. So that's a drop of about 120k based purely on um, him doing what he did. And that's even when I had Cash and DRB in their game. So I got four points out of the two of them. Uh, so they didn't get attacking returns. And so... It just goes to show that there is an argument to be made that you can't cover Ollie Watkins <laughs> with other people. Now, I know we've just talked about in my team where I kind of feel like my priorities lie elsewhere. I have Villa attackers. I think I'm just going to have to roll with them. But the comparison between uh, Watkins and Diaby is, is actually quite stark. Um, we've obviously already touched on the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Watkins is, is miles ahead of the league uh, on on shots in the box, for example. He's right up there for shots on target. When you compare the two, uh, it's 15 shots in the box for Watkins, six for DRB, four big chances for Watkins, one for DRB, eight shots on target for the former Brentford man, and just three for DRB. So the, the difference is massive, and I'm kind of really hoping that the fixture gets enough out of DRB to maybe just mitigate against Watkins. Because in the end, I obviously went back up to 102k because my Spurs triple-up did so well. So having only one of these two doesn't necessarily leave you shorthanded. We've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks, haven't we, about no Trippier versus no Salah. And thankfully, we're both sat here with one side of that coin. You've got Trippier and no Salah at the moment. I've got no Trippier, but I have Salah. And we're kind of for, not that far apart from each other. Um, so maybe I'll be okay. But certainly one thing I'm definitely sure on is that when Watkins gets a goal against Luton, my rank is going to drop in that moment. And it's just a case of whether or not the rest of my team can can bounce me back up again with doing something else effective. And there will come a game week when my non-Watkins team can't keep pace with him, and that's the week I'll get a big red arrow. So he's certainly on my mind to bring him in at some point. It's just when it's right for my team. And the fact I've got Salah, I feel a bit more comfortable on. And you're probably the other way around on this. You know, if everything I've just yeah. said about Watkins, you feel the same way about Salah. Yeah, it's if you ask anyone this season, is there one player you wish you owned who hurts you every week? They're going to give you a name. You know, Trippier, Salah. There's others as well. Watkins, obviously. Um, do you know what? On that, I was just thinking as well. Some something I do most weekends, and it's a little tip for people as well. For example, last week I didn't have Salah, and he went big in the first game week. Um, or in the first game of the game week. A lot of people, naturally, we can't resist it. We look at our live rank after one game, which is completely stupid. <laughs> but, you know, let's face it, most of us probably do it. Um, so if you have a, you know, if if a lot of your players, for example, are not playing until Sunday, Monday, which was my case last week. So I was feeling, you know, downbeat probably after the Liverpool game when there's still nine games to go in the game week. So instead of looking at my live rank on livefpl.net, probably my favourite feature is the what if feature where you can just kind of plug in the points for your players. And and even if you just plug in some unrealistic numbers, you know, I, I'll go into what if after the Salah performance and I'll just plug in, you know, five or six points for most of my players. Uh, and it, it'll show you that you'll, you could end up easily with a green arrow. So it kind of just fills me with optimism then rather than focusing on the negative of Salah. So yeah, just a little tip, the, the what if feature on the, on the website, if, if the game week's not over yet and you still have quite a few players to play, plug in some nice points for them um, and you'll make yourself feel better. And even if it doesn't happen, it kind of fills you, you know, gives you maybe 24 hours of, of optimism before you maybe the inevitable pain does come. But um, I find that's helpful for managing my, my weekends of FPL. Mm, yeah, which is... Uh... Among some of the most important things I think that, you know, we've been able to learn this this season by doing this video is just 
we talk a lot about strategy and we talk a lot about players, but I feel like it's good that we talk also about kind of emotional management of a game week because actually we spend more time managing that than we actually do our players. When you do your transfers, that takes you, in theory, a couple of minutes. The decisions that go into that, of course, takes you some time, but then that's where the emotional management comes into play. So, yeah, another good tip uh, to help people uh, do that. Now, there's also a lot of emotional management when it comes to having children, uh, especially if that child is under one year old and has an FBL team. Um, so, how is uh, Sonny getting on? Um, another good week for his namesake's captaincy. Um, but yeah, lots of flags to solve here, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, 63 points for Sonny's soldiers this week. It's a really good score for a team that can't have the likes of Trippier, Salah and Watkins. Um, the midfield, Spurs midfield triple up did the business, which was very satisfying to see. Son with 28 is captain, Madison with nine and Richarlison with six. Allison got the clean sheets. Callum Wilson got the points. But there's issues. Robertson's injured on the bench. Solly March looks like he has a serious injury now as well. I think that might have been my fault for breaking the rules in this team. You know, mm-hmm. I made an exception on Solly March because Sonny was born in March, but now he's going to have to be sold. And I want to—I can't remember who it was, but thanks to whoever commented on the YouTube video last week and suggested Jack Harrison. I hadn't had Harrison on the watch list, so maybe he is going to be a direct replacement for Solly March, and then you know everything is right again within the rules. So overall, a good score. And again, I'm looking at this team and one of my potential transfers is Son to Salah. Uh, Do I really want to do that when my seven and a half month old has Son auto-captain every week and I'm going to be up against that in the head-to-head? He's only beaten me once, but I'm setting myself up for pain if I sell Son when I know I'm up against him as captain in every Mm -hmm. game week. So it shouldn't come into my thinking, but it probably does slightly this season. Uh, You know, it's funny, we were talking before we we recorded, you were asking how Sonny was doing. And honestly, he's had, he's slept, the best he's slept in in ages is the last two nights. (laughs) And it's no coincidence it was after the Spurs performance and the Sun performance on Monday. So he's, uh, even though he was in bed before the Spurs game kicked off, he has, uh, he slept soundly for the last two nights. He just knew he must, he must be prescient uh, in some way. Um, there's some kind of psychic link between him and uh, the Spurs captain, potentially. Uh, hence their affinity for each other, which we'll have to keep an eye on. Do do keep an eye. If there's anything else that your son seems to weirdly sleep through that ends up being good for his FPL team, then you know that he's got some kind of Dune-esque sleep prescience power, which would be, you know, quite cool. Yeah. Overall, defend, defenders are a problem in this team. Robertson's injured. Patterson's lost his place. Emerson suspended. And then Dawson and Robinson, you're never going to get much from defenders from those teams. So I think a project for the international break for myself and for viewers and listeners, I'm going to spend some time looking at Wikipedia pages of Premier League players during international break. It's going to be a complete waste of time, (laughs) but I want to find some Premier League players that have middle names that have sun in them. So if anyone wants to waste an hour of their day or more than an hour, feel free to do so and, and let me know if you unearth any gems for this team, particularly defenders, because they are they're very much needed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you know of a Premier League player whose middle name has the word Son in it, then please let us know in the comment section and we will yeah keep an eye on those and help build that transfer list for Sunny Soldiers. So let's move on to our final order then, uh, which uh, is actually a relatively uh, simple and straightforward one, but it's always worth drilling this home, especially when we've got a Friday night deadline. Um, So I've got a picture of Mikel Arteta on the screen, who we may be interested in hearing from this week, especially with the possible ongoing saga relating to Saka's fitness or lack of it. So yeah, what's our final order? 
I can already tell you what Arteta is going to stay, say on Friday. <laughs> we we will train. We will train this afternoon, and then we will see after that. Uh, press conferences are becoming a waste of time in many cases. But anyway, order number three is, and I, I often put orders in for myself on this show. Uh, wait until Friday to make your transfers, and I could say this most weeks. And obviously, the caveat is if you're ever 100% set on transfers and you've got 0.0. Obviously, you can go early in that case and you hope you don't get burned in Champions League, Europa League, Conference League issues. But again, for me, we talked about I'm on a journey with Salah this week. Do I buy him or do I not buy him? I feel like I need a full week to decipher my information and come to a decision on Friday before the deadline. So I will be waiting until Friday as long as those price changes don't impact me. I am nowhere near a decision yet. It could be Saka, it could be Salah. I don't think it will be both but it's certainly a shootout between the two on, on the transfers. We recorded this yesterday and I probably said I was leaning towards Son to Salah, but I think a day later I'm back to Bruno to Saka and who knows where I'm going to be on Friday. So uh, let's see what happens there. But yeah, if you can, if you haven't made your moves yet, wait until Friday if you can, get information from the pressers. Hopefully there's some actual useful information in the pressers. And then again, Friday deadline. So so don't miss that. Mm. Yeah, I'm certainly uh, interested to see what Eddie Howe has to say for himself this week. You know, oh yeah, we'll make, we reckon there's a chance on X player come Sunday. Yeah, he's out for two years. Like, come on, mate. I know what you mean. They, they have become a bit annoying. Although that said, I can't really talk because when I used to play football manager a lot more, I would never give anything away in a press conference because I'd be like, why would I do that? So thinking about it from a manager's perspective, I don't know why they don't troll us more. I remember a couple of years ago, the Plymouth Argyle manager basically completely ruled out one of their best attackers ahead of a game against, I think, Portsmouth, which is a big rivalry game. And then we get to the game, names him on the bench, brings him on at half time, and he scored twice <laughs> like because they hadn't prepared oh. to face him. So... You know, there's different ways of looking at it, but certainly the bottom line is you got to wait until the managers have had the opportunity to be honest. They might not take it, yeah. but they might also take it. So, yeah. Do you know what I was going to... I can just see it already. I'm looking at the fixtures. Wolves against Newcastle, half past five Saturday evening. Uh, Eddie Howe comes out after the game and he says, uh, Anthony Gordon just scored a brace. I could have told you that yesterday, but but I didn't need to. <laughs> Oh, honestly, that man. Let's just, let's just get his assistant for the press conference because he's a meme anyway. And Eddie Howe's not going to give you any useful information. That's That seems like a much better way of doing it. Yeah. Oh, Tyndall, Tyndall on a Friday would be fun. I think Tyndall <laughs> on a Friday would just become a thing. Everyone would just tune into that. Oh, they would. They would. It would be it would be absolutely quality stuff. Well, fingers crossed for that. Fingers crossed that we get that uh, at some point and people just do away with Eddie Howe. Um, not in any sense other than the press conferences. He's doing a good job. Might be the England manager one day. You know, we don't want to do away with him in that sense. But in terms of information, yeah, we're not we're not having him. We're not having him at all. Uh, but one thing that you need to make sure that you have before uh, game week uh, game week 10, sorry, of course, is your Fantasy Football Scout membership. One last reminder, of course, that 30% discount is going to be going away soon. So make sure you sign up for that. I wanted to get that last little plug-in uh, before we finish. That's everything that I need to add. Uh, Mark, is there anything you'd like to uh, issue to the troops before we uh, say goodbye and head off to uh, another game week deadline? No, I think we've covered everything. Just best of luck to the troops for the weekend. And yeah, be be comfortable with your decision before the game week and don't get too downbeat about the outcome. Hmm, absolutely. Sound advice as ever uh, on this uh, video. So it always sometimes feels a little bit like a counselling session sometimes where we talk through our emotions as much as our tactics as well. So yeah, everybody uh, stay calm and don't panic in the famous words of Dad's Army, of course. So with that, we shall leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your prep for game week 10 and we shall see you next time. Goodbye. Cheers all.